Welcome to the Cybersecurity Readiness Podcast Series with Dr. Dave Chatterjee. Dr. Chatterjee is the author of the book Cybersecurity Readiness, a holistic and high-performance approach, a SAGE publication. He has been studying cybersecurity for over a decade, authored and edited scholarly papers, delivered talks, conducted webinars and workshops, consulted with companies, and served on a cybersecurity SWAT team with chief information security officers. Dr. Chatterjee is Associate Professor of Management Information Systems at the Terry College of Business, the University of Georgia. As a Duke University visiting scholar, Dr. Chatterjee has taught in the Master of Engineering and Cybersecurity program at the Pratt School of Engineering. Hello, everyone. I'm delighted to welcome you to the Cybersecurity Readiness Podcast Series. Today's discussion will focus on the proactive, resilient approach to cybersecurity. It is well known that a proactive, intelligence-driven approach to cyber governance is the way to go. But it is easier said than done. Embracing and sustaining such an approach requires an extremely high level of commitment, preparedness, and discipline. So I'm really looking forward to this discussion with my guest, Kriti Arora. Kriti is a security global black belt and specializes in threat intelligence and external attack surface management at Microsoft. Welcome, Kriti. Before we get into the details of this proactive, resilient approach, why don't you share with listeners some highlights of your professional journey? What got you into this field? Sure. Hi, hi, Dave. Thank you for this uh, great opportunity and looking forward to this podcast today. So coming back to my professional journey. So since my childhood, I always wanted to do something very unique. And I found my passion and zeal towards cybersecurity uh, in my Cisco CCNA course that I pursued during my undergrads. So there's, there was a chapter uh, in the course where that caught my eye and my interest. And I wanted to pursue CCIE security, which was at that time not available in India. And so I decided to pursue my master's in cybersecurity and digital forensics in the U.S. Uh, and over since, my passion obviously kept growing uh, stronger and stronger for cybersecurity. Then I started working in this field in the U.S. market. So it was a great exposure. And that's where I picked up my passion. With, with this journey, I got the chance to work uh, with the U.S. Army, uh, where I taught the uh, graduating cadets cybersecurity. And that really just, you know, upscaled my passion towards this great uh, career choice. So yeah, this has been my motivation. I'm currently with Microsoft doing cool things within the security field and looking forward to grow more and more in this uh, career choice that I've made. Fabulous. And thank you for helping train the U.S. Armed Forces. We really need the very best cyber warriors. As you know, current and future wars will to a large extent happen in cyberspace. I mean, I wish there were no wars, but that is wishful thinking. During our planning meeting, you referred to yourself as a first-generation cyber warrior. I found that very intriguing. Expand a bit on that. Yeah, so the only reason I was talking about that, because I personally feel, uh, because we 
uh, when we started uh, being in this field it was unknown it was not as popular so i remember back in 2013 when i started my journey or i think beyond before that when i actually was pursuing my undergrads i really found this to be very uh, unique uh, and very considering it's a new field it's obviously uh, there are a lot of changes that you can make uh, learn so many things and obviously save the world from cyber crime uh, so funny enough when i was back in my grad school i got through a lot of comments from my friends and family that what is cyber security why do you want to pursue this at that era you know software engineering was a more popular career choice so obviously uh, this was very new i got a lot of weird feedbacks and things like why are you pursuing this but the field itself is really challenging and that's what makes it really fun and adventurous i find it thrilling to some extent as well because it's an adaptive field you know one day you are you have to be very quick you have to be proactive so one day you are you know it can be mundane and boring at some time but it's also thrilling and fun when it actually hits it so at one moment you are fighting you know you're fighting crimes or you're doing these investigations as if you're some detective and you're you know find trying to find out a breach system and researching a problem and then coming to that solution so finding that solution makes it very interesting and challenging and the other day you are just diagnosing a you know a typical problem or a customer service to a network so the whole adaptive quality of this field is what makes it thrilling and i think that what makes us those cyber warriors who are trying to experiment learn new things uh trying to save the world with different techniques and tactics and that sort of makes you uh get that spark and see that work fantastic so kriti the way you described what attracted you and what it takes to mm-hmm. succeed one obvious skill set would be problem solving yeah all right you have to figure out what's the source of the attack how it's happened then another skill set would be your technical aptitude or acumen to be able to use the different tools maybe even program and then there are other skill sets now i'm sure there will be listeners on this podcast who are on the sidelines wanting to consider a career in cybersecurity because frankly there is a tremendous need there's a tremendous demand supply is nowhere close so a lot of people would be considering it but they are wondering if this is going to be too technical so can you shed some light on the different types of opportunities that a cybersecurity career can present to let's say the first generation or people who are trying to pivot from their existing careers into cybersecurity what kinds of opportunities exist in the field so uh, cybersecurity itself is really vast and it's a you know very major field so it's not just doing your hacking doing your uh, you know vulnerability assessments or your i would say networking it's a mix of things that you do and that's what i believe in uh, anytime i try to explain what i do in my role or what i do in my profession and the type of experience i carry i give them a very brief 
view of what I've done in variety. So there is a side of security that can go into your risk advisory, compliance and auditing. If you want to pursue something where you want to design frameworks, where you want to help the clients or uh, the customers into understanding their compliance and risk auditing, regulation, setting up security controls and policy. That's one side to it. The other side is obviously your on-hand hacking where you do ethical hacking, your being on the offensive side, doing threat hunting, malware hunting, incidents response is another phase of cybersecurity. Then there is a part where it talks about just uh, leading uh, techniques of techniques like advisory where you're giving advice, being an advisor and setting up different advisory uh, solutions for the company or for your clients where you're uh, discussing different uh, policies and protocols they can adapt to. So it's not just about your typical, what they show in the social media or movies. It's a very you know large variety uh, of things that you can choose from, whether you want to go into threat hunting, malware hunting, instance response, compliance and identity. Then there is... The other side of uh, just looking at your regulations and then obviously there is also a side where we call the, the cloud security to it. So it's a vast field. Uh, it's what I would suggest is to follow what you uh, think is built at your core. So I as a person uh, in my personal life or in general, I'm already I like to. I'm a curious mind, so is what I like to call it. I like to be suspicious, like to, you know, investigate on things in general. I am that person. I have been like that since my childhood. So I think what really connected with me was the threat hunting part of it, where I'm trying to investigate and find out things. So you would see a lot in my career pattern. I've done a lot in incidents, managing threats, uh, doing hunting, malware hunting, going through different layers. So that's what picked up my core personality so what i would say is just find your zeal find your passion and it's a great field to be in it's a hot field to be in and once you reach there when when you understand what really kicks in that interest and passion in you it's going to be a great field to be in absolutely i'd like to echo some of the things you said uh Preeti, that um, you have to reflect and ask yourself what excites you, what intrigues you. Uh, cybersecurity is a vast field. There are different types of opportunities. I've had several guests on the show who've spoken to that, mm -hmm. who emphasize that there is a technical side to it, but there is a people side to it. There's a process side to it because the solutions are most effective when they are holistic. Mm -hmm. So developing that holistic understanding requires an aptitude for all these dimensions. Uh, yes, some aspects require deep technical knowledge and know-how, but then there are other aspects. For instance, communication, how you communicate effectively. It's a huge part of security. And that is a non-technical aspect. And then there are many others, you know, when you're trying to, you know, how you deliver training, you know, or how do you, decide on the governance, ensuring that certain security practices are followed, are monitored, are reviewed effectively. So there are so many aspects to cybersecurity governance that might speak to many of your strengths. So don't underestimate 
your abilities, if you have the interest, the passion, this field is growing. There is also the other side to that, which is very attractive to somebody like me. Uh, It's a very noble profession because we are all trying to do our little bit to make the world a safer place. And that gives me a huge sense of satisfaction. I can well imagine somebody like Kriti, who is more entrenched in the field, who has trained the cyber warriors, which is phenomenal. I can well imagine how exciting and empowering it must be. On that note, uh, Kriti, speak to us a little bit about your role in Microsoft. And again, there is no expectation of of sharing anything that is proprietary or confidential. So at a generic level, share with the listeners, what do you do? Sure. So I'm currently uh, called the Security Global Black Belt, which is the term we use at Microsoft. So we... The global black belts at Microsoft are considered subject matter experts in the tools or solutions that they work in. So my specialization is in threat intelligence and external attack surface management. Uh, These are incubated products that got acquired by Microsoft over last one and a half year. uh, And it's known as RiskIQ. So RiskIQ is obviously known for threat intelligence and EASM is what I will call it in short term. So both believe in this proactive, resilient approach towards cybersecurity and going beyond the uh, firewall and looking at the attacker view. So I'm currently, I work as a SME for this product tool where I'm trying to be the, I'm doing both the technical and the sales aspect of it, where I'm getting the customer leads, uh, being on the technical field, uh, doing these Uh, demos for the clients or for my customers or for partners at Microsoft, explaining them and helping them uh, look at that attacker view that the tool is talking about. And then obviously, I am also on the sales side where I'm trying to do these pitches uh, for the customers, trying to get my leads and getting out there uh, with the different type of CISOs that I work with. Uh, and you know, getting them uh, all acquainted with this new tool and let them let them know what's new in this market uh, for threat intelligence and EASM. So, uh, for the benefit of the listeners, EASM stands for External Attack Surface Management, correct? Yes, that's correct. Fantastic. So, um, let's talk a little bit about proactive, resilient approach. I believe there is a general understanding of what proactive cybersecurity is. There is also a recognition that the emphasis needs to be on how quickly an organization can recover once they're attacked or they are breached, because there can never be a guarantee that an organization will be immune from any kind of attack. There's not going to be any guarantees for that. So therefore, ability to recover and resume normal operation as quickly as possible is a huge goal. Having said that, I'd like to turn it over to you to shed some more light on what is a proactive, resilient approach. So a proactive approach to cybersecurity is includes you to identify security weaknesses and adding processes to identify threats before they even occur. So that is that proactive view uh, that you are uh, going after. 
So on the other hand, when we look at reactive approach that involves responding to your incidents such as hacks or threats that happen at the moment uh, after they have occurred. So this proactive approach of security uh, sees the uh, foresees your possible attacks before they can ever happen. And as a result, you can or the organizations can prevent data breaches and other cybersecurity attacks beforehand. So it's like knowing your surface area or your infrastructure or your security policy so well that you're able to understand what type of risk you can be at. And that is that proactive approach that we will look at. So in this uh, proactive approach, we you know, focus on indicators of attackers. We try to keep a watch on the entire network and its processes. There is a way to understand you know, uh, what type of platforms and tools you're using. So it's a holistic uh, no, you know, approach. It's not, a, I would not call it a technique. I would call it a mind shift because you need that mind shift to understand what proactiveness is. So it's like being on the alert and thinking the worst case scenario and being proactive towards that. That is what proactive approach is for me in the cybersecurity field. Thank you for, for that. So, um, you know, kind of pushing this a little further, you talk to a lot of clients. Yeah. I'd be interested in learning what are the reasons why organizations vary in their level of proactiveness? So the major uh, reason that they vary or sort of go after this approach is because of the latest challenges that we are seeing in the market, uh, whether those are your massive growth of sophisticated attacks. Now, the bad guys or the hackers have become way more sophisticated in the you know traditional or olden days or olden era. We used to see a lot of uh, file uh, malware attacks. We used to see a lot of attacks that were simple to catch, and they were targeting around your firewall, or they, you know, it was as simple as having a malware file in your email. But now the attackers are going beyond that. They are looking at more sophistication. They are looking at more of malware-less attacks altogether, be it your social engineering or through your still your phishing emails that will not have a link, but they are getting sophisticated day by day. So that's a massive growth that we have seen over these years. And after COVID happened, it really picked up its pace, of course. Then there is obviously the maturity in the attacker business model has increased uh, where new criminals are coming in. They are getting more acquainted with the tools and systems and new techniques and tactics are coming into the market as well. Uh, so with this also, Another problem that I could face uh, while talking to my customers or while they, they face is the increase in the attack surface. So since, you know, everyone is now planning to move slowly to cloud or they want to go into this, as you know, we are in this technology era now, everything is done, you know, on your technical aspects, right? So there are these new technologies, these new uh, adaptations to either going to cloud security or your migration, it's creating a lot of increase in your attack surface, which is creating a lot of new blind spots. And the bad guys are using these blind spots. And obviously, that goes back to my line of uh, sophisticated attacks. So I think these are some of the challenges 
that my customers or a lot of people organizations fail and that's why they are going into this approach of proactive resiliency where they are doing this mind shift to change uh, their approach on looking at security it's not just looking at it from a traditional view of having your tools having your platforms but it's something to add with intelligence something to do with looking beyond uh, a step further so that you can level up and ramp up against those bad guys very true you know like you said it's more than tools proactive resilient approach is more of a mindset and that brings me to talk a little bit about my message to industry based on my research that organizations will have to strive to create and sustain what i like to call a high performance information security culture and that cal- that culture is anchored on three dimensions commitment preparedness and discipline each of these dis- uh, d- uh, dimensions are associated with a set of success factors and there are 17 in all uh, the intent is not to go through that list or but the point i'm making here is if you were to review that list of success factors it's a mix of technological factors it's a mix of governance factors it's a mix of process factors so once again we go back to the very well known people process technology approach mm-hmm. to managing anything literally managing technologies managing security and along those lines i'm going to throw out a couple of success factors uh, which speaks to the change in mind shift that kriti uh, talked about to bring about that change in mind shift it really needs to start at the top top management needs to be more hands on they need to actively participate in cybersecurity governance right from planning to implementation to reviews performance measurement as i have mentioned several times before the expectation is not that top management is going to become an expert mm-hmm. but they need to show real intent show real commitment sincerity that we really care and we would like to bring in the best possible expertise such as let's say kriti bring her on board talk to her but that doesn't mean that we as an organization have now transferred the responsibility to kriti and her team and we don't have to worry about it they'll take care of it that kind of outsourcing doesn't really work it needs to be managed so i'm going to stop there for now and come back to you kriti again and ask you that if i were listening to you and i'm taking notes what are the you know five or six things i should be doing to get started on the path of proactiveness sure uh, so the first and foremost thing as i mentioned is changing that mind shift and i know it will not happen overnight it requires a lot of awareness preparedness so if i would say i would want to start my journey as an organization or someone who is looking out to start a journey uh, i would look at this two way one is the traditional approach that i was mentioning which is a uh, platform plus your security tools and then a lot of customers look at it minimizing your risk but that's not the case 
The second uh, point that I would want to add here to get away from this traditional approach and look at it from the intelligence approach, which uh, obviously is followed at Microsoft as well and in a lot of our security tools. But the intelligence approach is where you look at the intelligence, which is your proactive practices. I will definitely talk about those now soon, plus your platform, plus your security tools. And that is going to minimize risk. And how is this going to do that? Uh, make sure you have those up-to-date platforms that have that built-in intelligence that we need in order to minimize the risk. Intelligence, again, it should give you unique insights and understand all sort of your signals. And I know a lot of for customers and organization, data is their main asset. The signals that come from that data are your assets. So there could be trillions of it. So use an intelligence platform that's going to give you very specific, unique insights into your approach. And obviously have that holistic security mindset, which is protect, detect, and respond to security threats. And obviously be alert. All, all the time, think of the worst. And that's that's one of the approach I think you, a lot of my security folks must have heard. It got really popular in the COVID era, known as the zero trust model, which is known uh, to assume breach, to verify explicitly, and obviously uh, you know identify with the principles. So the three principles that it follows is your proactive approach. That is the whole mind shift side of it but if you look at from the other side of following or going on a path to proactiveness is obviously keeping uh, your attack surface as a focus point as well because with a lot of organizations as i said the attack surface is growing every day every second so it's very important to keep a focus point on the attack surface whether it's internally or externally so having a full view or a 360 view of your entire attack surface is very, very important so that you know how can you set up some policies, bases, what you see uh, on your attack surface. Uh, have that external, internal viewpoint. It's very important. And following this zero trust approach where you can build a secure infrastructure or environment and the monitoring and practicing of Daily uh, security hygiene is very, very important. So that, I think, are some of the uh, bases of starting your journey towards proactiveness. My list is way too long when it comes to these techniques, but I think these are some of the basic ones that a lot of customers and organizations can start with to start with uh, proactiveness. Thank you. Um, I'd like to follow up on a few things you, you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Talked about security hygiene. Uh, couldn't agree more. In fact, uh, listeners will be familiar with the various frameworks out there, such as NIST, CIS. Yeah. We got you know ISO twenty seven thousand one, and and more. And I'd like to also add my framework in there, the commitment, preparedness, and discipline framework. So these frameworks provide you with guidelines, with recommendations. And it's a matter of following through with it, making it part of your organizational routine. To use a simple metaphor of brushing your teeth, uh, it is one of those things that you should do, but sometimes you don't. If you don't do it, there are consequences. 
And unfortunately, cybersecurity is one of those things we have to learn to live with it. Yeah. We have to we have we have to manage it. And so we need to have these routines in place, institutionalize it in our day-to-day work habits. So it becomes muscle memory. And as we work, we work in a secure manner, uh, as opposed to you know being constantly told you need to do these things or you shouldn't be doing these things. After a while, that kind of advice can get a little boring, a little overwhelming, uh, maybe irritating. Mm-hmm. So the the challenge and the best practice lies in how can you institutionalize, etch those work habits without making a big deal out of it. So that's probably getting to the next level, yeah. which happens with a higher level of cyber maturity. Another thing I wanted to touch upon, uh, and I, I love the way you put it, a proactive approach implies an intelligence-driven approach where you rely on intelligence that you receive whether in-house or from external service providers in terms of what are the possible attack scenarios, what are your vulnerabilities. Now, that's where, Kriti, I'd like to bring you back into the discussion. Mm -hmm. There are incidents, there are cases where despite receiving good intelligence, organizations did not respond promptly and effectively and paid a price for it. And that made me wonder, why would you hire a service and seek their advice, seek their input, seek their alerts, if you are not set up? When I say you, I mean the organization. Mm -hmm. If the organization is not set up to immediately process the intelligence and act on them. When I say act on them, I don't mean that every bit of information that comes deserves some kind of substantive action. But what I mean is there has to be some kind of documentation that this information was received, this is how it was interpreted, and this is what we decided. So even if the decision is not to act upon it, even that gets documented, and that kind of log is very useful down the road when an organization is trying to defend itself say, in a court of law, and is trying to make a case that, look, we did everything right. Despite that, there was a breach. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I would like to think of this with an example. So suppose you have all the tools to bake a cake. Uh, You have the highest power oven. You have the best ingredients. You have the best recipe. But if you are not someone who has baked or you don't know how to deal with so much tools or so many things, you will not succeed in baking that cake. So I feel cybersecurity is exactly like that. You can have your tools, you can have intelligence, you can have your processes, your policies, where you can label out everything you're doing, documenting, and trust me, I've done this in my past roles. And it, But if you don't have that basic awareness of what this could be or how serious cybersecurity should be taken in an organization, you will never succeed. I don't want to sound uh, as a negative person, but from my knowledge, this is where that awareness, 
that lack of knowledge of cybersecurity comes in where you can have the topmost tools you can spend dollars on it you can have the topmost intelligence the highest ai machine learning into it but if you don't understand the basics or you don't understand the importance of cybersecurity you can never get there or you can never bake that cake and you trust me i've have had customers who who know very basic of security and even if i try to walk them through those highest intelligence and the type of things our tools are providing if they are not coming from that mindset or understanding the seriousness it would never connect and it has happened that i never could connect with those customers because they didn't understand what am i talking about external attack surface what is threat intelligence because they never had that knowledge or that exposure or that awareness so i think that's my view it view at it and i think pro- proactive resilient approach is has a lot to do with the awareness also you need to be aware of what's happening in this field as well so that you can be proactive and by by being aware i'm talking about understanding the global threats or understanding your global uh, vectors of these bad guys what are their ttps or tactic techniques and procedures and what are their uh, behavioral analytics so if you can get a hold of this and obviously you need to have that basic awareness and information you will definitely be able to use that intelligence to a level that will just level you up with against those bad guys so that's my thinking of it fair very fair so i think you're speaking to the importance of having the necessary expertise whether in house or external coupled with a general intent organization wide where everybody plays their role you can't expect yeah. an hr professional or a marketing professional or a manufacturing professional to be able to interpret or use a a sophisticated security intelligence yeah. tool what you can expect they will do within their domain mm-hmm. whatever it takes to minimize the attack surface to the extent possible and to secure the data as best as they can so just to help the cybersecurity professionals do their work yeah. uh, are you are you in agreement or do you have another point of view no i agree with that every uh, when a breach happens every person in the organization plays a role and obviously whether it being finance hr if they can help in some way from the people uh, side of it then definitely so i agree with what you're saying and that's the uh, concise view of what i was trying to explain okay now you know another thought that comes to mind like when i asked you that question that what would you advise people who are listening in terms of a few let's say to do's to secure their organization proactively Mm-hmm. one of the first things that comes to my mind is having good backups yeah uh, maybe even before that prioritizing what's most important to the organization in terms of securing that those set of assets because it's hard it's going to be hard to secure everything so proper prioritization and which will depend on the risk tolerance level assessment of risks and so on and so forth and once that has been done then the next step is okay so now that we know what we want to secure at the highest possible level what should be our let's say our defense of depth approach what mix of 
physical, technical, administrative tools should we use to secure those assets? So it's kind of a step-by-step process. Uh, yeah. Because at least if I can secure what's most important to me, then it makes me feel a little better that even if I get compromised, mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that what's core to my organization maybe did not get breached. So, but um, uh, I would love to hear your thoughts. Yes, it's definitely the proactive cybersecurity is a overall broad approach. So it involves a very specific method or techniques that you can do and obviously it also involves that mindset of offensive or defense in depth uh, that word that you use was brilliant there defense in depth approach of working with cybersecurity. so obviously uh, organizations must strive to look at being both secure and productive so that secure productivity is what will lead to a successful uh, you know approach of managing in you know these threats and obviously you can't have these overly critical or strict security policies that can create more risk in your organization so and i believe that if a policy prevents user productivity it's it's leading to a failure so that's your designing towards a failure so have a uh, Divide it into a segment where you're doing this people process technology. It's a, I think it's a brilliant or uh, traditional approach that has been going around. With your processes, you can transition from a reactive view to a proactive view, which involves very basic steps like having cybersecurity risk assessments, looking at different frameworks from the governance avenue, uh, security awareness trainings where you are having these regular security trainings where you're understanding the global threats and also understanding what's new in the market because cybersecurity is a very uh, adaptive and changing uh, field. So it changes almost every day. Then learn to understand what are some of your uh, security operations are at your attack surfaces or your different devices such as mobile applications, your BYOB devices or bring your own devices that we like to call it. Uh, Then have a biometric, have conditional access. These are some of the processes view of proactiveness. When I talk about the people view, it's pretty simple. Having that governance starting from the CISO level and then dictating it through your security engineer, security analyst, someone who can look at the security architectural uh, view, someone who can have that development security view or the DevOps security, then looking at network as a containment and then administration who is your CISO, your CIOs to sort of manage it through and create that disciplines uh, or a discipline of this model where you're going through admin network, then development, then your security architecturing. And I think these are some of the basic elements of how you can sort of go into this effectively. I couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. In fact, um, you touched upon something which uh, really got my attention, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, transitioning from designing not to fail Mm -hmm. to designing to recover quickly. I really like that that mind shift uh, because that, that is more being more realistic because at the end of the day, Every organization has limited resources. Yeah. 
they have their mission, their goals, and these organizations haven't been formed to secure everything. That's not why they are there. Like you said, if you make uh, the security policies and controls so stringent that it comes in the way of day-to-day operations, yeah, there's going to be you know a pushback. There's going to be a turmoil. A business will not like that. So the challenge is going to be you have to allow business to operate as normally as possible. At the same time, maintain and sustain the best possible security posture. That's kind of, that's the, it's easier said than done, but that's the balance that needs to be maintained. So Preeti, um, I'd be curious to know from the standpoint of being proactively resilient, what are some measures or metrics that you recommend or that are being used? So I will go back to that designing for failure that mind shift that I was talking about. So when I look at the uh, traditional approach back in the days uh, where a lot of organizations and customers are looking at reliability and prevention. So you club those two together, you are that's where you're looking at every possible attack that's happening. You're looking at the attack that's happened ongoing. Uh, But what you're avoiding is you're not looking at the trails and traces that an attack is leaving behind. Some of the uh, other issues or other ways that you can look at this is going into the now approach where you're not designing for failure. You're not just looking at these attacks reactively. You're just responding to a threat, but you're looking it it at from a view of being taking this like a challenge and setting up newer things like resilience and assuming a compromise. And in this approach, you are designing to recover quickly. Having that backup, having those uh, protocols and practices where you're trying to understand what, okay, that these are some of the ways I can protect, detect, and respond along the attack phases, along that attack kill chain phase. Having a view of not just preventing it when it reaches to a level where the breach has happened, but trying to prevent it from a way that the breach never occurs is what is how you can measure the proactive resilient approach. So looking at attack kill chains and protecting, detecting and responding basis, those attack kill chain is one approach. And obviously having that backup so that you can recover quickly is the approach that you need to follow. And that is how I think Those are some of the ways you can measure this mind shift, which is moving your designing from failure phase to moving to a phase where you are resilient, you're assuming a breach, you're assuming a compromise, and you're acting towards it with your full proactiveness and resiliency. Okay. And, you know, kind of you mentioned about assuming the breach, assuming Mm -hmm. the compromise. Mm -hmm and then planning your course of action, that speaks to, I would say, having a good disaster recovery plan in place. Not only having the plan in place, but having rehearsed the plan, going beyond uh, tabletop exercises, engaging in proper security drills, just like we have fire drills in the United States uh, on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. uh, security drills, should also become should also be institutionalized 
There's one more thing I want to um, address before we run out of time, and that is training. You talked about training, and yeah. and I wanted to reiterate that training implies it must be customized to the roles that organizational members are engaged in. There can't be this one high-level generic training being provided to everybody, which is kind of, unfortunately, the standard practice. That's almost like check the box. We have complied with the requirement of training. Organizations have to go beyond that. They have to make sure that organizational members performing certain functions recognize what the do's and don'ts are from a security standpoint for the work they do. And and that's how you differentiate the level of training. Um, And of course, you know, the training has to be repeated. It needs to be uh, gamified. It needs to be immersive. So we are taking a very realistic, matter of fact, but substantive approach to cybersecurity governance. Like every episode, I'd like my guests to have the last word. So I'll turn it back to Kriti for some final thoughts. So yes, Dave, I think I echo with that. You know, you should have different trainings, uh, bases, the different uh, roles that people are in. I think that is going to really bring out that resiliency that we are looking at. So like I said, our IT departments in a lot of organizations or in general, in many organizations have, they've already done this approach is what I would say. So they have done this shift to assume failure. The IT teams are all always ready to uh, you know, react and help you out. So they always have that assume failure mindset. If you look at it, they always have these solutions for every any type of problem the customers or their clients face. So I think the IT department already has that view. So with this moving into newer technologies, newer t- uh, tools, assuming failure and shifting from reliability mindset to a resilient mindset is very important. So this perfect mix of reactive, proactive and resilience approach approach is what will help us stay a level ahead of these bad guys in the end. And a proactive, resilient approach to summarize is going to minimize the impact of failure or any threats that come in. It's going to minimize the number of customers that are affected by a failure and it's going to reduce the amount of time organizations Uh, used to prevent their services entirely. So security should adopt to a posture which it's not just reactive, it's a mix of reactive, proactive and resilient where you can look at uh, the posture of, of these evolving attacks and to sum it up, obviously we can no longer block everything possible, right? That's not possible between our assets and the threats. So what the best thing we can do is obviously assume this compromise, invest in these uh, protections and detections at each phase of an attack, which is the attack kill chain I was talking about, and have an overall backup or an architecture of the each asset that should be resilient to a compromise. So have this reactive, proactive, resilient approach. Uh, Start small, start with a step-by-step approach by getting more awareness, getting to know more about your threats around you and trying to understand your attack surface, like where 
are you placed i think these smaller steps will start you on this journey of proactiveness and i think following this and having this assuming a failure mindset is what is going to change uh, the pace in uh, cyber security fantastic well kriti thank you so much for your time i know many uh, will be inspired by what you're doing i consider you along with many others uh, like yourself as the trailblazers who are setting a standard for cybersecurity protection and we are delighted that people like you are at the front fighting this uh, unfortunate but a real war uh, frankly so um, once again thank you for your time it's been a pleasure talking to you and i look forward to many such discussions in the future sure thank you dev thank you for this great discussion and thank you for giving me this opportunity i hope i could create that awareness somewhere but it was a great talk and looking forward to more such talks thank you so so much a special thanks to kriti arora for her time and insights if you like what you heard please leave the podcast a rating and share it with your network also subscribe to the show so you don't miss any new episodes thank you for listening and i'll see you in the next episode the information contained in this podcast is for general guidance only the discussants assume no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast the information contained in this podcast is provided on an as-is basis with no guarantee of completeness accuracy usefulness or timeliness The opinions and recommendations expressed in this podcast are those of the discussants and not of any organization.